Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Welcome back for part three and the final episode of this Blueprint mini-series. We have loved being with you these last three days and can't wait to hear how you'll use what we've shared to set your business on a trajectory of immense success. But before you do, take a listen to this third episode all about pricing. This is the last of the big three and another pillar to build the business you've hoped and dreamed of. So today we talk all about pricing, pricing structures, how to calculate your cost of doing business, and the mindset needed to make pricing changes. Now I present to you episode number 56 and part three of Blueprint on the Motherhood Anthology podcast. So obviously we are going to talk about pricing, (laughs) mainly today, profitable pricing, how to kind of like get there, start with that and build your pricing structure and what you sell and how you sell all around that. So starting out with numbers, which is most people's least favorite thing, (laughs) but (laughs) it's really important. Allison made our members a really cool, like cost of doing business worksheet. And that's in the membership content. And so that's a good way where you can literally just plug in all of your numbers. So your expenses, your desired salary, what the taxes would be on that, things like that. And then you have to know what that number is based on how many sessions you can reasonably shoot every month on average. That will tell you the minimum you need to make per session to have a sustainable business that offers you a good salary. So those numbers are different for everybody. Well, at the same time, keeping in mind that usually anything under like $500 is just impossible to be profitable based on just base numbers. We all have equipment expenses, Adobe, Photoshop, Lightroom, those kind of expenses, insurance, things like that. Like those, no matter how many sessions you're doing or not doing, don't really vary that much. And so you have to take all of those into account and just realize that after taxes, after all of those expenses, And then if you add more expenses, you want to be left with enough that you're not working for less than you can make at Starbucks, right? (laughs) Which we have seen happens to many, many photographers. And it's, we don't like that because obviously we want you to be successful, but like, it's also, you have something really amazing to give. You are not making a Starbucks drink. You are literally making artwork and giving your clients these memories and giving them your time, which we all know your time is the most precious commodity. You can't you can't get that back. My big thing is always if you're going to leave your family, your partner, your children, if you have them at home and go do things for other people's families, you should be compensated for that in a livable, sustainable salary. You can always make way more, which is great, but like bare minimum, that number needs to be what you could pay your bills with if you need to. And sometimes, Jenny, we forget that we have to remind ourselves that we're providing one of people's most valuable items. If your house catches on fire, you care about your family, your pets, and your pictures, you know? And I've shared this before, but I always thought this was a great uh, quote. I heard someone say at a workshop once that when they have people kind of like give them pushback on pricing or maybe a dad comes to the sales appointment and he's like, whoa, to say, you know what, I'll buy it back from you in 10 years for what you pay, for twice what you paid for it. And it just kind of makes you stop and think like, no, there's no way that I would sell back, you know, my, my heirloom, my family portraits for any amount of money. So I think we have to remind ourselves what we're providing folks sometimes, you know. For sure. We have seen so many members swear that they are profitable, that they are priced correctly, all of that. And then they do our cost of doing business worksheet and they come back and they're like, oh, wow, I was wrong. And these are people that are just starting out. These are people that have been in business for 10 years, everything in between. And so make sure that you are actually using the formulas to run your numbers correctly, because Whether you want it to be correct or not, the numbers just don't lie. And if you are not charging at least what the worksheet says you need to based on your own numbers, you are not profitable. And so 
Today is the day where everyone should be filling out their worksheets and ensuring that their business is sustainable and actually making money, not just like you think it's making money. What do you see when people are trying to calculate their cost of doing business? What mistakes do you see people make? I think the biggest one is either not truly accounting for all your expenses. You know, you spend a little here, spend a little there. That adds up. I've even done that myself. This is embarrassing, but every year when I look at my client wardrobe expense, Mm -hmm. Allison's laughing because she knows. (laughs) I look at that and I'm like, how did I just spend $14,000 this year on wardrobe? Like what? And I'm accounting for it correctly. It's all there. I just, it just adds up. And I'm not saying you need to spend anywhere close to that on your client wardrobe or in your business. If you're just starting out, I have a lot of expenses because I also have a lot of income coming in. And then also people just don't account for like an actual salary. So a lot of people will say my husband's salary or my partner's salary pays all the bills, which is great. That's perfect. What if he's laid off? What if, you know, something just bad happens? Like it happens to people all the time. You, if you are going to be working, then you should be in a position where that work can pay your bills too, especially if you don't need the money because someone else in your household can pay all the bills. Why would you leave and work for anything less than at least a good salary? When I started my business, I needed the income like right away. We were in a really, really bad situation and I needed a job and I needed good income quickly. And so there was no, um, there was no way that I could not charge profitably. But I know a lot of people will say, well, it's just for fun or it's just a hobby. But in those cases, you should be charging more than your minimums. Let's see. So Marcus asked, where is that cost of doing business worksheet? We have it one inside of our membership that a lot of the members will use there because it's specific to photography versus like others that you can just find on the internet aren't that's usually just for like general business. So that sort of helps guide you through it a little bit more. Yeah. And real quick, before we move on from kind of cost of doing business, the best way to estimate that, like say you're sitting here and you're going, I don't even know what my expenses are. You can take your desired salary and multiply that by 2.5 or three on the higher end. So let's say you feel comfortable paying your bills, making $50,000 a year. If you multiply that by three and get $150,000 a year, that will account for basically having a third in your pocket, a third going to taxes and a third to expenses, which is definitely on the high end. Like you might not need to spend $50,000 to put $50,000 in your pocket, but that's the safest way to estimate. So then you would have that gross number of $150,000 divide that by the number of sessions you can do in a year. And that will give you kind of an estimate of what you need to make per session to be profitable. Jenny touched on this, but like, and I I call it like my, put my pants on price. Like you really need to think about that. Your time, you can't get that back at all. So if you are choosing to leave your family especially if you're having to pay childcare to be able to go and photograph someone else's family. Like that's what you need to think about. Don't sell yourself short when you're choosing a salary, especially if it's not a salary that you rely upon. It's still, you still need to be profitable, whether you're doing five sessions a year or a hundred sessions a year, because your expenses generally don't change as far as like your subscriptions and insurance and all of that. So Just keep that in mind. And on that note too, before we move on, like the biggest mistake I think I see people do is like, they'll do their cost of business for 50 grand to make 50 grand a year, say. And they're like, okay, if I do a hundred sessions a year, that's kind of like full-time. Like that's that's a decent amount of sessions every month. I need to make a thousand dollars per session. But then they're like, but I only want to work part-time. And so I don't really need the 50 grand. I can work, you know, half the amount every week, work part-time, have a part-time job doing this. So I'm going to slash those prices in half when really you should keep it at a thousand and do 50 sessions. Mm -hmm. So slashing your prices lower or in half because you're only part-time is not the way to account for part-time pricing. If that makes sense, you would figure out your full-time pricing 
per session and then just do less sessions to make less money. But that means you're still profitable at each session that you're doing. Okay, so let's move on. Pricing structures. I know, Kim, there were a lot of questions. Allison, do you want to go over like the few main <laughs> pricing structures that we kind of like are familiar with and teach and yes. recommend? And then we can go into some of those questions about them. Yeah. Yeah. So a la carte, what that's going to mean is that maybe they pay a creative fee or session fee up front. And then on the back end, they are choosing what they want to purchase individually. So it's individually priced and you just sort of add it on like line item on your invoice. I think that it, I don't know if we've gone over this, but it's really important that you make sure that your language matches what you're doing with your pricing. So a session fee, that's non-refundable, but if you call it a retainer, that goes toward their final price legally. So you have to be very careful with what you're using. Collection-based is going to mean that you create collections for them. So maybe one collection is going to have digital files and artwork or framed artwork. One is going to have digital files and an album. One will have just digital files. And so they are going to choose a collection after their session or I guess technically you could before. Um, All-inclusive means everything is all one price. You pay usually the whole thing up front and you get all of it on the back end. And then membership and baby plans, we've already gone over that um, as far as what they are. Yeah, and we can get more into that when we talk about like kind of products. I know a lot of the questions about membership were like, how do you like make money at each membership session? Are they full sessions? Things like that. So we'll chat about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone did ask, what is a creative fee? So it's to create your, <laughs> it's to create it's another word fee. for session. Fee. Yeah, it's another word for a session fee. It just sounds prettier. Yeah. <laughs> so again, the, the important thing is that you are clear on what is and is not refundable and what does and does not count toward any products that they purchase after their session. And what's so included. If- so if you are going to do a creative fee, session fee, that is just the fee to book your time and not include any digitals or products, then that needs to be really, really clear up front. So I know Shannon from one of our educators from the membership, and she also did one of the podcast episodes. She talks a lot about creative fee and she says, you know, she wants to put the emphasis on her as herself as an artist. So basically you're paying for my talent, my vision, my artwork. And then she, so she charges a higher creative fee and maybe a lesser price for products because she wants people to view her that way. More, more like a, an artist. I like that terminology. I think it sounds nice. I would Um, say yes. Although I don't think her products are all that cheap (laughs) if I'm being honest, but yes, basically like really just valuing that time to even just like before you even get to the session. So for me, for example, my creative feed, I never say that includes your session time, time to edit, things like that. Cause I want to be really clear that number one, that's non-refundable. So if you book that and you change your mind, you don't get that back because I've already done the work that that covers Whereas if you booked that, changed your mind, and it included your session time, and I didn't do your session, then you're kind of in a sticky situation where you are keeping funds for services that weren't provided. So keeping that really separate, and that's a really good reason to not do all-inclusive pricing, but just making sure that they understand up front, there's so much work and time before you even meet that client. And so accounting for that is important. I'll say too, I know that everyone's probably going, well, like, which one do I choose? And while it needs to be authentic to you and what you're, what you're wanting to do, I think that I, well, I don't think, I know Jenny will agree with me that like, we've tried everything and we make the most money off of a la carte, hands down. That is, we've tried it all. And our biggest sales are a la carte because you're allowing them to basically create their own collection and you're not limiting them. You're, you're not putting any limit on their mindset of how much money they can spend. So, yeah, I was going to say that collections are really have their benefits. They all have their pros and cons. And there's actually really good content in the membership that goes over in depth, all the different pricing structures and pros and cons for each. And then we have a Facebook live with so many comments that was like hours long. That is the gold standard of pricing in there that everyone loves. 
But essentially there are benefits to the other ones, but the bit that benefit to a la carte is like, you are not putting, I don't even like to put a spend range on my website or give clients up front because what if I said, you know, my average client spends two to $5,000, which is accurate. Well, I had a $10,000 sale on Monday morning. And so like, I would not want that client to think in her mind, okay, everybody else spends up to $5,000. That's kind of the limit. I don't want to do that at all. So in her mind, I want her to think everybody spends $10,000 or maybe I'm her lowest sale ever. I don't want them to know any of that information. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the same with collections, like putting those numbers out there, frames that in your client's mind. And on the opposite end of that, when you're a la carte, all of your pricing, while it adds up to be higher potentially, they're not looking at any really big numbers. So if you have a collection, if I had a collection that was $5,000 and I just sent an inquiry, my pricing, they might see that $5,000 and be like, Oh, nope, that is not for me. Whereas if they slowly can build that up themselves and get to $5,000, it just feels different. So for both extremes, I don't want to put those big numbers minds up front. Do you guys have a minimum? So this is really important, no matter what your pricing structure is, that minimum cost of doing business number. So let's say that's a thousand dollars. Your client should not be able to have a session with you and get away with spending less than that. Mm -hmm. However, it adds up. It could be like your session fee plus your minimum purchase, your lowest product, your lowest collection, whatever way you want to set that structure up. There should be absolutely no way that a client can come to you and spend less than that. I don't say like, you mm-hmm. must purchase this much money, but right. my lowest amount of digital files that they can purchase is my minimum. So right. it doesn't like they, it, it's step one, pay your creative fee. Step two, choose your digital files, how many you want. Step three, add on artwork. So it walks them through and I'm not coming to them saying you have to spend $1,800 but they can't not spend $1,800 because of the way that it's set up. So yeah, I don't, I don't like saying I have a minimum, but it's obvious that there is one there. So when COVID started, I switched everything to online galleries and I've changed some pricing, but like the actual structure is the same. They get a two day online gallery. They get to choose when that starts. So my thing is, I don't want to draw out the process for me. That's 47 more hours than you had previously with me for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. So they get those two days, they decide when that starts. And then by the end of those two days, they need to tell me either we can have a phone call if they really want to, not a phone call person. Most people will just email me back and say, I want to do this, this, and this. And I just invoice them if they're buying files, which most do either just files or files and products. I send those off to for them to download and work on product stuff. So I try to keep it simple, like really, really simple. So what are you in that gallery? Are you giving them some guidance, like wall collections that you've designed or album? Are you, what are you designing for them to kind of prompt them to buy? Yeah. So one of the big things that Allison and I kind of discovered is everyone will tell you, if you do online galleries, your sales will tank. I've had my highest sales ever in the past two and a half years in an online galleries. So I don't necessarily believe that that's true, but I do think you can't just send them a gallery of proofs and be like, here you go. So we have product images in there and these are in the membership too, where you can use them as templates and put your images in an album and things like that. So every client gets a few of those, like a wall design example, like the one here on the screen, with their images showing in there, just to kind of put that in their minds since they're not sitting with me in the studio. By this point, most of my clients, I do feel like kind of already know going into their sessions because we've already been talking about it from the beginning and they've been seeing stuff from the beginning, but this just reminds them like, oh, I love that. I want that. Or just kind of helps guide them into like, do I want wall art? Do I want an album? And things like that. How many photos am I showing them? They are all edited. I know some people will do like soft proofing. I I can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> Not that my straight out of cameras are bad, but I 
never want to be in a position where a client doesn't see a final image. And so I edit everything. And I also can say that because 99% of my clients, and I think Allison's are like this too, are in some way getting all of their images. So I don't ever feel like I'm doing like so much extra work and it's going to waste. If, if that were not the case, that might be different. So fully edited, I guarantee 30 images in my galleries. Most are 50 to 70, let's say, which is not ideal. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> they don't need that many images. But I also have my, so being a la carte, I've always sold digital files, just all or nothing until maybe the past two years. And now I give them the option to purchase eight, 20 or all, and still most buy all. So I think giving them that many, they're just like, I can't, it's hard to narrow down, which is the point. I don't want them to, (laughs) I want them to have them all. Someone asked, are they buying through a web gallery like Pixie Set? So we send our online galleries through PickTime or Pixie Set, but we create invoices like custom for each client. I know Jenny has the option for them to check out, but most don't, right? Yeah, most don't. And I actually recently changed it because with my clients, they can earn lower price digital files the more they spend on product. And so I was having clients that would spend five grand on product, but still add their files at full price. And then I would have to refund them. And I'm like, guys, thank you for giving me all this money, but now you've added all this extra work for me. So I tell them to not check out in the gallery and actually made the minimum checkout like $8,000 so that nobody would do it. And somebody did it. And I was like, what? And she's like, oh, I just thought that was the minimum. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I had to refund her like $3,000 because she only really meant to spend like $5,000. And so I raised that to $15,000. Now, and I'm really hoping nobody will hit that. So I just tell them, you can call me, you can respond to this email, just tell me what you're thinking and I will help walk you through it some more and put it in an invoice. It saves an accounting bookkeeping step for me doing it that way too. and just makes it really easy. So yeah, <laughs> but you like, can totally have them check out there. So, hey, I have, so I have, I have a follow-up question. Oh, All right. So in your gallery or, or is it somewhere in your materials that they had get ahead of time? Like an 11 by 14 framed artwork is always $300, like regardless of the frame. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So again, regardless of like what frame you were going to get, it goes by print size. So I don't want, I never wanted a client to be like, well, I like this frame better, but this one's a hundred dollars cheaper. I am at the point where I'm charging so much for that picture that the actual frame or even album size, like I, an eight by eight album is the same price as a nine by 12 album, because I'm not, you're not paying for the album. You're paying for the images in it. Thank you. Okay. I have, I have one. I'm I'm trying to like categorize, I'm I'm trying to put my brain in like categories here. (laughs) So I I may be getting ahead of myself. I've heard of the, it's a simple sale system. Mm-hmm. I, I just heard of that, I don't know, two weeks ago. And it's just yet another thing that I'm like, oh God, I know people do that with like pick time and stuff. I would love your thoughts on that. I know that's more collection based. So if we need to kind of pause that and just put a pin in it, we can. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to know how that compares to a la carte if that makes sense. Like, I know it's, it's similar, but you know, then you get into the whole print credit and all that stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the biggest difference is there's print credits involved. I don't, Allison, I don't know how you feel about this very much, but I personally hate a print credit. (laughs) And I I think that there's, I think that there's different ways to do them. So, so back to the simple sales system, I looked at it because I have pick time and I use pick time and I love it. I don't like the simple sales system. It does not fit like how I sell a la carte and the workflow that I want to take my clients through in the online ordering process. I actually reached out to PickTime and said, hey, why don't you partner with me to create something that's going to work for what we teach? Because you'll have a lot of photographers that utilize it. Right. Uh, I So since I, I don't use that, <clears throat> I do a online gallery workflow inside 17 hats. So that essentially takes me and them through 
it's a process. And so at the end, whenever they, you know, buy their digital files, <clears throat> I do send an automation through PickTime, like a thank you automation that gives them a 20% off their online store that they, that is all automatic. I don't even have to touch that. So those sales are extra. I don't like on the front end saying, here's my session fee of $500 and you get $200 print credit toward your artwork. However, I did probably within the last two weeks start um, when, when I send their ordering appointment, I say, if you purchase your full digital files, you can take $200 off of an heirloom album. So there's a caveat there. And my goal is like, I really want to start pushing a lot more albums. And I, ironically, I had a client this morning. She was like, I think I'm actually going to go for the matted album. I know I don't get anything off from that, but it's so pretty. So, you know, I feel like that gets them to start thinking, even if they don't necessarily take that credit, makes them like, look at the products a little bit more because they're trying to use it and it's not expected. And it's not it's not just that they get a credit toward anything. It's very specific in how they can use it. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And so I think the biggest difference is that isn't coming off what they paid in your creative fee up front. Right. It's just something totally extra. They didn't pay you $600 and $200 if that was a credit. This is a, hey, if you do this, you get this extra little perk. And that's the same right. thing for my membership clients. They pay for their membership, buy everything as if they were having individual sessions after each time but they get a hundred dollars off any artwork they purchase at each session. So same thing. Like if you bought an album and it was $2,000 and you're a membership client, it would be 1900 instead, mm-hmm. things like that. So it, it is a credit, but not really a print credit that you paid for up front. Like they don't get that back if right. they don't use it. Okay. That makes sense. I Thank you. That helps. I feel like on the back end of things with keeping your notes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's confusing. And for me, I don't want to be confused. I don't want my client to have to do a bunch of math. And like, you know, that meme with all the math and trying to figure everything out, the least confusing you can make it for a client, the easier you can make it for them to give you money. Sign me up for that. (laughs) And I will say too, like if, if some of you are looking to start selling online, we created content on that inside the membership that walks you through exactly how Jenny and I do it, how we create the galleries all of that. So it's there even down to the like templates of what we tell them in emails and stuff. So it's done for you. Yeah. About invoicing versus checking out in Pixie Set for me, I don't know that it actually helps solidify the sale, but for me, it's just, it makes more sense. It's easier. I want to have another, even though it's not in person, another point of contact with the client and just make sure that they're getting exactly what they want. They feel good about it. I understand what they're ordering. They're not making any ordering mistakes by overpaying is usually the case, things like that. So the downside to that is if you were going to have, you know, a 48 hour online gallery and tell them they have to check out in that time and it expires and you pull it down and they didn't check out, there might be some more urgency to make sure that they pay and check out during that time. So I absolutely have had people, and this is another reason why I do 48 hours, because I know that it could eventually drag out to be a day or two after that. And I'm fine with that. So, you know, at the end of that 48 hours or within those 48 hours, they might be like, I want to do this, this, and this. I invoice them. And the next day they pay. Technically they're ordering outside of that time, but that's fine with me. So if you don't want that to happen, then yes, you could make them check out there. And once it's expired, it's expired. Hey, I especially love this next question. Yeah. You could only offer three products. (laughs) What would you choose? I'm trying to stay very simple because I have a lot of weddings complete in the next two years. So hands down, my favorite products are albums. I do the lay flat flush mount albums from Indie Print Co and the matted album. So this picture on the left side is an open matted album and then heirloom albums is what I call them. So those are my like top two favorite things. And then after that framed fine art prints, you don't need to have canvas, metal frames. Like that's so overwhelming to a client, like figure out number one, what, works best with your images and your style and your brand and what you can stand behind and sell. I think often people think it's hard to sell products 
because you have so many products listed and you don't really feel any one way about any of them. Whereas I can tell my clients, these albums are the best and I love them and I'm obsessed with them. And if you want wall art, this is the only wall art that I want you to have because it's amazing. So being able to say that makes a huge difference in how you can authentically sell. Hey, and I know we keep talking about the membership, but there is a discount code for members for ending oh, yeah. inside the membership. Yeah. And they're so pretty. Like we could talk about albums all day, but like Kim's albums are my favorite. They're amazing. You um, like put them in a client's hand and they're like, oh, oh they're so heavy. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. sell themselves truly. Like, you well, I think that's to- because the, the reason Indie be- came to be was that I had been a photographer for 20 years and were looking for things that I couldn't find in the market. You know, I wanted the fabric to, to be a certain thing and a certain color and the weight to feel, you know, quality. You're right. And yeah. So. Shameless plug. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And use like there's so in the membership, there's a, there's a whole list of vendor discounts and Kim does have one in there for us, which I probably forget to use 50% of the time, but use those. They're awesome. So it's a good thing to have. Um, for framing, I use Musea. He was my neighbor and started Musea. And so he's local to me and hands down like the best framing. I used to do framing myself and it was, it was horrible. It's not hard. It's just so stressful. And you get one piece of glass with a chip and you're like, I have to start all over again. Or they send you one mat that's cut just slightly wrong. Or like it's or you frame the whole thing and put the back on, and then there's one speck of dust that you can't unsee. And you're like, I quit. I have told Allison and my husband so many times over the years, if I have to frame one more thing, I am quitting my job completely and going to live in a box because I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. So yeah, we've already obviously talked about some product line stuff, kind of hit on some of these selling only what you love. Truly Allison has a background in sales and is really good at selling. I feel like a used car salesman if I'm ever trying to sell too much. So I really want my pricing structure and my products and my brand to do all of that for me before I have to sell to a client in person or online. And so I don't want to ever put any pressure on them. I mean, you do have to follow the rules of like, you hired me for a session. This is the time that you have to order and pay for said session. I am really strict about that, but I don't want to push anybody into something they're not wanting. Yeah. I think also just a side note, if they see you as the authority, right? Like you're the artist that has created these pictures. And so if you come to them and you say, Hey, these are my absolute favorite pictures from your session. And I think they would look really good inside of a gallery that has three frames or here they are inside of um, a matted album. They're going to trust you. And especially if you've put this high-end product in their hands during their session and they've seen it already, that sells itself. And then seeing their own pictures and imagining that beautiful album that they already held once, it's, it's, it's really, it's easier to sell products than a lot of people think. You don't have to, if you choose the right ones and you, you follow the, workflow of not just springing products on them at the end, then mm-hmm. it's already in their head that that's what they want to do with their pictures. Mm-hmm. And one thing for me that I still do and started years ago when I wasn't as confident selling products was lowering my digital file price, the more that they bought. So I want to reward clients for the more you spend on products, you know, the less your files are, because I also want you to have those. And then if you really don't want products and you just want files, those are at a price where I'm okay if that's my sale. So I think getting your files to a point where if you're okay with just selling files, making sure that that price point is your minimum that you're okay making or more, obviously you can charge more than your minimum. Most people should. (laughs) Back to the sales, because that's my background as well as sales. And I think sometimes the word sales gives you a a yucky feeling. And you have to remember like (laughs) people, they're coming to us because they want guidance. And I would say most people want something they're not getting from all the other photographers that are only handing them digital files and saying, thank you very much. And I also saw a question saying, you know, I'm just starting out. So how can I offer 
high-end products to my clients because I'm at a lower price point, people will save for something they really want. Like I've said that before. I'm not wealthy, but if there's something that's expensive that I really want, I'll figure out a way because it's valuable to me. And so if you're providing something that's a value and they really want that and you walk into the sales appointment with, you know, the the attitude that I'm going to serve this client by telling them what I really believe they should do with their images, I think that's that's not a bad thing. That's what they want from you. Mm-hmm. And I think- Jenny, you, I know you don't like sales, but I think you have, you're confident in your, your position as the expert in the relationship that you know what they should do. And Mm -hmm. so it's all about that confidence. I think that's the key. Yes. I have no problem spending other people's money. And I (laughs) feel like we should never assume what somebody can and can't spend. My big sale earlier this week, I was sweating bullets and I'm like, she's never going to pay this invoice. That is just, I'm going to send this invoice for, it was with sales tax, like $11,000. I'm like, this is not going to happen. And she paid it. And I was like, but that's not me. That's not for me to decide what $10,000 feels like to her could feel like a hundred dollars to me or a thousand dollars to me. You just, money is so relative that you should take that out of the equation when thinking about selling to your clients. And then it makes it just easier that it's not about the money. It's here's what I do. Here's what I offer. You chose to hire me. Here's what I would recommend you have. What do you want? How do you want to enjoy your images? Kim, I was going to say, <laughs> you said that you're like, I'm not wealthy, but I will save for what I want. This girl introduced me to restoration hardware, linen sheets, staying at her lake house. And I was like, what am I sleeping on? And she was like, oh, those are just, you know, linen sheets from restoration. I was like, I'm sorry, what now? So now my husband is pretty mad because that's all I'll buy. But I saved for a restoration hardware sheet. Yeah. I wear clothes from Target. So. Right. I was like, not that you like are like living like, you know, this bum lifestyle, but I was just like, Okay. She really cares about her sheets and that matters to her. And let me tell you, it does matter for your sleep. It was amazing. I heard another thing I heard once is you want to be the photographer that people say, I'm going to use one day, one day when I have a new baby, I'm going to use her one day when I get married, I'm going to use her. Those are my favorite inquiries. They're like, I've been following you and we've been hoping that we could use you one day. And it's not the people that are in $10 million houses. Those are usually my least favorite, favorite clients. It's those people. Yeah, absolutely. I don't include matching digital files to product purchases only because I do the sliding. I'm looking at this question, the sliding file price based on what you spend. So that's how I kind of like do it, but I think that's valid. You can totally do that. The only reason I don't like that. And I like it the way that I do it more is because if a client spends my 11 by 14 frames are a thousand dollars each. So if a client buys three of those, they would get those three matching files, right? If I did it that way. But if you buy a $3,000 album, that's a 30 image album because they're a hundred dollars per image and you would get 30 files. And so you're spending the same amount, but you, that's not equal at all. And so I would rather just say, Hey, if you spend $3,000 plus, your files are this. If you spend $5,000 plus, your files are this. That way you're still getting the full set. It just depends on how you want to do it though. So Mary Margaret is asking, how do you move from an unprofitable structure into a completely wildly different profitable structure like we're describing? And I think the answer there is you need to start with doing your cost of doing business so that you know the basic number that you need to walk away with from every single session making money. Because I'll tell you a little story about whenever I started. I was going to say, please tell this story. <laughs> I was charging like basically like the the price that like I landed on was like three hundred or three fifty per session, included all digital files. That's it. And I was thinking at the time, oh my gosh, three fifty each session. This is great. But when I actually went back and looked at all of my expenses looking at the fact that I had to pay someone to babysit my kids, looking at the number of hours that I spent on that client. So, you know, back then I edited slow. So like, let's say like three hours on editing, an hour on admin, three hours at their session, drive time included. 
I literally was paying the client to take their pictures. I was in the red. And so I think that's what so many people don't realize is that $350 might sound great. At the time I was a brand new nurse. And I think that, I mean, I was probably making that in a 12 hour shift. So that was huge to me, but it's not huge because you have to take into account everything. And so then I realized $300 needed to be my session fee. And then I needed to charge way more. And so that's really where I would start from moving from an unprofitable structure to profitable. Any structure can be profitable, but you have to know what your numbers are in order to do the pricing for that. Yeah. And I was going to say your structure, you're not unprofitable because of your pricing structure. You're unprofitable because of the numbers that you're assigning to the things in the pricing structure. So yeah, pricing is just, pricing structure is just semantics because if I am charging for 75 creative fee and 2000 for files after, and you get to decide if you want to buy those after or not, that's no different than if I was, you know, essentially $2,500 upfront, all inclusive, like that's the same amount of money, but a different pricing structure. So I don't want to say it doesn't matter what your pricing structure is, but in terms of profitability and what number minimum number you need to make, it doesn't really matter what structure you use. You just need to make sure that you plug in the numbers to that pricing structure that gets you to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I would say, do yourself a favor and price. What, what was it that Shannon said? Price yourself where, where you want to be in two years, because if you start low and you incrementally nudge up, nudge up, nudge up, nudge up, well, it's going to be a lot more painful than just bite the bullet, put your numbers where they need to be, and then spend that time working toward that client, right? Don't you agree? Yeah, I did multiple jumps. Like I went, you know, I was 300, 350. And then I did like my lowest, well, I tried a lot of things, but I went from $300 creative fee, $800 digital files. Then they were 1200. Now they're 3000. So doing that many jumps and that many stepping stones essentially makes you have to recreate your client base every single time. Because while I still have, a handful of clients that were with me in the very beginning, you price yourself out of a lot of the clients. And if you're spending so much time marketing and branding yourself and trying to reach your ideal client, and then you just go, psych, I'm raising my prices. You have to start over again. And it's a lot of work. Someone was asking about like imposter syndrome. If you're pricing yourself for like two years from now, it shouldn't be that drastic. You deserve today. If you, we say this all the time, if you are technically good enough to charge for your work, which that's a whole different ball game. But like, we feel like once you decide to start a business, you should be able to give your clients consistent quality work where the basics are there. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. We're always all getting better. There are people that I look at that I'm like, wow, their work is so much better than mine. And mine sucks. I have days like that. So that's never going to go away for you, but you should be able to have consistent work that you can give to your client and create consistent work for them. So if you're at that point, you are at a point where you should be able to make a profit and charge profitably for that work. If you don't feel like you're there yet, you know, you can always portfolio build more, get more practice. You don't have to start a business before you're ready. But once you do start a business, the goal is to be profitable. So you can look at where you want your numbers to be two years out, but you should still be profitable today, wanting that number anyways, or near that number. So And I would say, keep this in mind. I think this is, I say there's these rules of photography that I've learned through 20 years of business. And I bet you guys will agree. Um, When I have, when I have a session that I'm the least proud of, when I think, oh, the magic just did not happen today. The clouds did not open. This is not my best work where you almost feel like maybe we should do that over. (laughs) They buy the most. They buy the, it's the biggest sale. They buy the most. And so think about that. It's, we're looking at lighting and color and editing. They're looking at their sweet child. They're Mm -hmm. looking, how do I look? Am I having a good hair day? Mm -hmm. They're looking at something totally different than what we're looking at. So even if you feel like I'm not as good as Jenny, you're good enough and wow them with service. I mean, you know, go, go the extra mile, be the purple cow that we talked about, where if you're good, they're not going to talk about you. If you're, 
they talk about really exceptional or really bad. So be really exceptional in your customer service and surprise them with things they're not expecting. And you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. It's it's wild that so many people get so caught up in wanting their work to be perfect and take away the business side. As an artist, I don't think we're ever going to feel that we have hit the end of perfection. That's just not realistic. So you can't, you cannot be a business and have that piece of it in your mind all the time. You have to let that go and just say, maybe my work will never be what I deem as perfect. And it's always going to be changing and you're going to be growing. But if you are a business, you deserve to make at least a minimum sustainable salary. Well, and, and with imposter syndrome too, I can say Jenny, Jenny started like profitable, right? Like she was, she was always there. I did not have terrible. Like my work was terrible. And I was like 900 bucks for files. (laughs) But for, for me, you know, whenever I like raised my prices literally overnight, raised that to my sale with like the first client that booked was like $1,800 and I about died. Like I had imposter syndrome then, right? Because I was like, holy cow, how can I go from charging $300 or $350 to making an $1,800 sale in Starbucks? Like literally I did that at Starbucks. They're going to figure me out. I'm a fraud. But what I realized is that as I started making more money, I raised my prices and then ultimately my paycheck got bigger. I was more comfortable with what these people were paying me because I could have, I could start to afford myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where so many photographers feel that imposter syndrome because they are charging $300 and because that's what they, that's what you can afford. So you're comfortable charging that, right? But then you make this big pricing jump and all of a sudden you're charging $1,200 and you've, you've outpriced yourself. And that makes everyone nervous. Like it's nerve wracking to like, I don't go into a store that I can't afford because it makes me feel like I'm an imposter. It's the same thing. So just realize that when you're raising your prices and ultimately giving yourself a bigger salary, for me, that imposter syndrome in that area of pricing went down a little bit. And a lot of people really judge quality by the price the price you charge. I mean, you can have the same work and one person charged 300 and one person charged 1500 for the same exact quality of work. And there are people that are going to not look at the person that charges 300 because they think there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially as you get in a, in a different market, you know, more of a luxury or higher end market, people just equate quality with price. They're just used to that. Yeah. Your price alone can help support and convey your value. Same experience, Allison, kind of in the wedding world. But Josh and I were so busy at one point, we were exhausted. And we we went to a workshop. They said, you know, if you double your prices, you only have to shoot half as much to make the same amount of money. So we were like, yes, we're going to go back home. We're going to double our prices and was going to cut our workload in half. That's all. We didn't really want to make more money. We just wanted to work less. Went home, doubled our pricing, got busier. You know, (laughs) and also I think that that's where a lot of photographers get hung up is they think, okay, I'm charging $300 a session and I'm having to, to do, I'm doing 15 sessions a month, right? What's so many. And then, so when they raise their prices, they have it in their head, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to sell 15 sessions at this price. But that's not the case because you can literally raise your price to be more. And then suddenly look at, look at my pricing, right? $3,000 for digital files in one session versus when I started out 10 sessions to make the same amount of money. And so that's the mindset that you have to have. And going back to the cost of doing business calculator, that's what it helps you out with. You can play around with how many sessions do I want to, do I want to shoot a year? And suddenly you can realize, wow, I'm having to do 150 sessions a year to make this right now, but I could actually just work and do 60 sessions and make the same. And speaking from, from experience, what is, what's going to happen is you're going to be busy at a lower price you're going to get tired. You're not going to feel creative. You're going to get burnt out and you're not going to give your clients the, um, the experience that, that you need in order to, to raise your prices and be in, in that higher bracket. So yeah, for all you, you people that do are all just, of this at a low price. Right. Right. 
not and do it well. Like it's, you will burn yeah. out hundred percent. Yeah. How do you price when you're just starting out so that you're not cheap, but still taking into account that they're a beginner? Like, I think that's kind of what we were just talking about, but. Yeah, I think so. Obviously like you might feel, and I don't agree with this when I say this, but you might feel like, okay, well, I'm not Jenny or I'm not Allison. So I can't charge that. And that's not true. Think of a really expensive restaurant in your nearest major city. Like they're $200 for dinner, say with drinks per person, a new restaurant opens up down the street. They're just as fancy. They're offering the same quality. They're offering a similar brand. Are they going to look at that restaurant down the street and say, well, they've been open for five years. So like we'll charge a quarter of that, even though it's the same, you're offering the same level of service and quality and brand, essentially you like, they want to be a high-end restaurant. They're not Applebee's. They wouldn't do that. And so like you bare minimum, it has to be that minimum cost of doing business number. And then you can always go up. And one thing I love, and I think Allison would agree about a la carte sales and not being all-inclusive and just selling files is that gives you the freedom to say, here's the minimum I want to make and need to make, but you can then have those higher sales. I think another good tip that helps with the imposter syndrome, and it also helps charge a higher price starting out. I'd say get, try to get out of your, your, your circle. Like it's hard to work for friends and family. I still don't yeah. work for friends and family because they know the Kim that was not the photographer. They know <laughs> that, hey, you're this is just a side gig. You're not, you're charging what? Try they can to really add to that imposter syndrome. Right, right. So try to get out of your your current circle and market to a different click. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, friends and family are, are yeah. not, not the place to start. Yeah. And then just truly, you have to get it in your head that money is so relative. I tell this story a lot, but like when I first started my business, a hundred dollars to buy like the 50 1.8 lens, that was like $95. I did not have it. It was either I could spend that hundred dollars on that lens or I could buy groceries for the month. I didn't have it. And today not, I don't want to say this to be like braggy, but I don't view a hundred dollars the same way. I could spend a hundred dollars and not blink an eye. Don't have to ask my husband, hey, can we afford this? Should we do this? We can spend that money just because we're in a different place. And so you have to realize that you might view $500 or $1,000 for a session and files as, oh my gosh, that is so much money. And to your ideal client, it's not. A lot of good stuff this week. Yeah. I know it's Ooh. been a really big week. <laughs> we're so excited. <laughs> so that's a wrap. What did you think? We just walked you through all three pillars to building a successful motherhood photography business. We truly hope you take your time and implement the last of a few of these recommendations into your business structure. If you missed any of the Blueprint Workshop in this podcast series, you can still register to receive the guide and listen to today's episode and the two previous episodes to get all caught up. Head over to themotherhoodanthology.com and click sign me up at the bottom of the homepage next to where you see the word Blueprint. If you've enjoyed this series, then you'll love our TMA membership. We're finally reopening our doors tomorrow morning, October 26th, and we only do this a few times a year. Membership is like the past three days, but with the added value of a private community, the ability to ask any questions at any time, and a library of over five years of business education. So go to membership.themotherhoodanthology.com and sign up for our newsletter so you're the first to know as soon as registration reopens tomorrow morning. We would love to have you. So from our lens to yours, until next time, friends.